Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. stand for our call to worship. And hear these words of scripture. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine and the sweet lyre. Sing aloud to God our strength. Let us worship God.
seated. Jesus calls to us, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With that in mind, let us ask God to forgive us. Let us pray. Eternal God, we confess our sins before you, not to add to your knowledge, but to bring to our remembrance that which disturbs our communion with you and limits our usefulness in your service. We have been blind to those faults in ourselves that we so easily detect in others, pleading the mystery of life even when the path of duty is clearly marked, reflecting the prejudices of the age rather than the mind of Christ, laboring and spending for that which does not satisfy, succumbing meekly to those who massage our wants and tell us what we need, easing up on self-control and calling it progress. Give us, O God, one of your choicest gifts, a sense of sin, and lead us from confession to penitence and pardon through Jesus Christ our Lord, overwhelm us once more with your grace, O Master, and we will praise you. Jesus says to us, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, the good shepherd who came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. children would come down front. The children would come down here, please. And I need all the kiddos that are here today. I'm going to put you guys to work. 
really. Okay, I told you I was going to put you to work, and I am. Today, I need to put you guys in three groups, okay? All right, so can I have you three scoot right over here? And would y'all scoot right here? Scooch over, scooch over. Okay, Robert, you stay right here. And Boone, would you come over here with Kate and Ben? All right. I need y'all to do some work for me, okay? Now, you guys look like a tough group, so I'm going to give y'all three things to do, okay? You're going to, when I point to you, stand up. Practice with me. Stand up. Raise your, oh, not y'all, not y'all. Raise your hands and say, God is good. God is good. That was pitiful. <laughs> Let's do it again. Come on, stand up. Raise your hands and shout, God is good. God is good. Oh, that's much better. My second group, I want y'all just to do two things for me, okay? Y'all just stay right where you are. Y'all clap your hands and say, all the time. All the time. All the time. And my third group, when I point to you, y'all just get to do one thing. Y'all just sit there and say, God is good. God is good. Okay, so let's try this. And if you do your work really, really well, I'm going to pay you today for it, okay? Okay, so first group. <laughs> Let's try it again because I'm telling you, they can't hear you way back at the back. Try it one more time. God is good. God is good. All the time. God is good. Oh, y'all are awesome. In fact, I told you I was going to pay you, so I will. Hold your hands out. Y'all did three things for me today, so I brought three pennies for you. Because you did three whole things for me. And y'all did two whole things. So I'm going to give you three pennies. Once again, let's see, three pennies here. Hold up, I have more, I have more. I raided the can jar. Let's see. And y'all did, let's see, you did one thing for me, right? Y'all get three pennies. All right, Jessica, I see you down there. I know, I know. <clears throat> Some of you are saying, wait a minute. We did three things and we got three pennies and they did one thing and they got three pennies. It's not fair, right? Yeah, well, okay, here's my question. Were they my pennies? Yes. So I can give them to whomever I want to, right? Yes. Hmm, you know, this sounds like a story that we're gonna talk about today in big church. There was, Jesus told a story, and there was a man who owned a vineyard, and he hired some people early, early in the morning to do some work for him. And then he hired a few more people about noon to do some work, and then he hired some people almost at quitting time. And when the work was done, he paid everyone, and he gave everybody the same amount. And when he did that, some of the workers who had worked all day long were fussing and saying, it's not fair. How come we worked all day and got paid the same amount as those who worked an hour? And the man said, well, didn't I pay you what I promised? Well, yes. He said, well, then why are you jealous because I'm generous? You know, that's a lot like the kingdom of heaven, guys. Let's think about it. There's some of us that kind of grow up in the church and we grow up believing in God and know that Jesus is our Savior. And what's our reward? All our lives, we believe and we have eternal life in heaven, don't we? Yes. And there's some people it may not lead such a great life and they not, may not believe in Jesus until much, much later in their life. And what's their reward? 
they get the same reward. And sometimes it doesn't fair to, it sound fair to us, does it? But you know what? If life were fair, none of us would get to go. Because the Bible says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and we've sinned and we don't deserve to be there at all, do we? No. You know what? It's only through God's love and His grace that we get to go. So let's pray in three, two, one. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and your grace and for letting us go to heaven even when we don't deserve it. In your name we pray, amen. first lesson today comes from the book of Jonah, picking up in first verse of chapter 3, reading to the early part of chapter 4. Listen now to the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. And all shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, 
Is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? And that is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and a merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for the reading of God's Word. Our second lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew in the 20th chapter. Listen for God's Word speak to your life. And Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, 
they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Someone in our church who is uh, at a place in life where they're not able to come and be with us in the sanctuary and therefore they worship with us through our television ministry said to me this past week, I am really enjoying the sermon series on the kingdom of God. And I said, thank you very much. I'm enjoying the series as well. At least I was until we got to this parable. All of us know that life is not fair. All of us can point to places in life where there are injustices that have been done to us or done to another. Some of us need, need not look any farther than our own homes. I know that my sister got better treatment than I did growing up. She was the favorite child. Or maybe we could look at school and know that there were those students who did not put in the time working on the project or studying for the test and always got a better grade. It's just not fair. Or in the workplace, even today, those who will go home early, stretch a coffee break into a three-hour ordeal, and they seem to get the promotion or favored treatment. It's just not fair. Now, we all know that about life, but there is something that grates on me in this parable because this is more than about life. This is about faith. This is about our relationship with God. And if we are going to be kingdom people and serve the king, what we must understand is that it means that we have a distinct identity. And one has said the revolution, the revolution of being a a servant of the king in God's kingdom begins with the call to be a certain kind of person. And that is what we are trying to understand in our study of God's word and as we go through the gospel of Matthew and look at this kingdom that Jesus preaches and teaches about. Being a distinctive certain kind of person. Last week we talked about one of those distinctions being childlike. I was sitting here watching you come into the sanctuary this morning, and it is such a gratifying thing to see the people of God gather. But I have to tell you, the favorite person today that I saw walk into the sanctuary is now in children's church. And she came in the aisle right at 11 o'clock 
with her little purse across her chest, and she was bouncing along. And I don't know if she blew a kiss to me, but she blew a kiss to somebody and then jumped into her grandmother's arms. Oh, if we could be more childlike. It's one of the distinction of being a member of the kingdom, of serving the king. And today we'll talk about what it means to be gracious. Because the sermon, the parable this morning, points us to the graciousness of God and its call upon our lives. But I have a little difficulty with this parable this morning, to be honest with you. Truth be told, some of the stories in the Bible and some of the parables that Jesus tells annoy me. They're annoying like the pebble in your shoe, like the fly in your soup, like the ants at the picnic. You just want to get rid of them or tolerate them or try to ignore them, but they just won't go away. This parable rubs me the wrong way. I know life isn't fair, but this parable doesn't seem to be fair because I'm one of those 12-hour laborers. See, I've been at this thing for quite some time. As a matter of fact, my whole life I was born a preacher's kid. I'm a little tender on this subject because I'm one of those day-long laborers. I'm a cradle-roll Presbyterian, baptized at Ernest Myatt Presbyterian Church in North Carolina, confirmed at the age of 12 by a profession of faith in Jesus Christ at Northminster Presbyterian in Macon, Georgia, where my father was the charter pastor. I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ again at the Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, which is now a parking lot, at a Billy Graham crusade. And our youth director, Jim McNall, hauled all of us from Macon, Georgia, over to uh, uh, the Billy Graham crusade. And after his impassioned sermon and altar call, many of us went down onto the grass of the infield that was that baseball field and I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. I did it again at Montreat. I was a Montreater. And I walked down the aisle of Anderson Auditorium after an altar call at a Presbyterian youth conference. I've been at this a long time. I've tried to do it right every step of the way. I went to the right college, Davidson College, founded by Presbyterians in 1837, a factory for preachers. Followed my father's footsteps in that regard. I have been on and I have led many mission trips. I have served the Lord in Africa. I have served the Lord in Japan. I have my Master's of Divinity degree from Columbia Seminary. I am 24 years in the ordained ministry. I've been in the vineyard a long time. And now I'm being told that all I've got to show for all of this hard work is a day's wage. The wage of an hourly employee, Lord, Lord, you're giving me the same as that bum on 2nd Avenue who heard a sermon on repentance and salvation in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and God's saving grace and prayed the sinner's prayer and got saved is getting the same thing as me. Now God... That doesn't seem fair. 
The first will be last, and the last will be first. But we've got to get this parable, my friends. We have to understand this teaching of Jesus. It's been said by one scholar that this, this parable is the greatest and the glorious, most glorious of all parables. That in this parable is contained the truth that is the heart of the Christian faith. We've got to get this parable and understand it. Yes, life isn't fair, but God isn't fair either. To understand this parable, we need to know that the story that Jesus told about the vineyard owner and the laborers is something that is very feasible, that could happen and did happen all of the time. That in Palestine, the grape harvest comes in in late September, right before the fall rains. And to beat the rains, there was a race against time or else the harvest would be lost, it would be ruined. And so those who had vineyards would welcome all the laborers they could find to come and help them bring in the crop. And it was normal to pay a day's wage, a denarius. And the men who were called to come and work at the various hours of the day were not slackers. They were not lazing the time away because the marketplace that is mentioned in the parable was equal unto the labor exchange where those who had work that needed to be done would go to find those who were willing to do the work and would employ them throughout the day. The fact that, they were, that there were men standing there until five o'clock is proof of how desperately those men wanted to work and how desperately the vineyard owner needed them in the vineyard. The hourly laborer was the lowest of the low. They were the lowest class workers their life was desperately precarious because even a slave or a servant was held under the covering of the wealthy family and could be ensured that their life, regardless of what may come, would ride with the fortunes of those that employed them as a servant or a slave. But the hourly worker was a different person altogether. Life was desperately precarious they were at the mercy of chance employment, and unemployment for a day, even a day, was disastrous for that individual and for that individual's family. It reminds me of those places even in our own city in Columbus. Many of you know exactly where these locations are, where there are men, and even sometimes women, who will gather early in the morning and will wait and wait until someone drives up with a truck and an offer for some work for that day. The lowest, the least, the little ones, the most vulnerable among us. And so this story that Jesus tells, this picture that Jesus paints, is a vivid picture of what could happen in any normal Jewish village in the time of Christ. And so we must understand 
the teaching of our Savior in this parable, the lessons that it holds for us. One of the lessons that it holds for us and held for the disciples is to remind us that we may be early in our coming to work for the Lord, but we must always remember that there are others who will join us. There is no special honor because we have been called to the vineyard early. All people are equally precious and valuable to God. And that's a good reminder for us, for those of us who have been at this a long time. It's a good reminder for us who have been in this church for a long, long time. Because the reminder for us is this church, this vineyard, this place does not belong to us. This church is not under our control. There is one who owns, so to speak, the church and has bought it with his precious blood. Yet some of us find those who come into the church later, the new blood that comes among us, so to speak, or can be seen as an intrusion. But the lesson for us in this parable is that the church does not belong to us. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And He is calling His people to labor in the vineyard for Him and with us. Another lesson that this parable holds for us is also a warning to the Jews. And I would even expand that warning not only to God's chosen people, but to expand the warning to us as American Christians. Because we live in a day and a time when the church has changed and the church is changing on a global scale. Yes, the Jews were the chosen people and we as Americans can say that by the grace of God, America has been blessed and been chosen by our freedoms, by our power, by our prosperity. But what this changing world is teaching us is that in God's economy, there is no such thing as a favored nation clause. Because in the global church today, no longer is the center of scholarship and the center of, of the mass of population of Christians in Europe or in America. But we now know that the shift has occurred that there are more Christians living below the equator than there are north of the equator. And we hear about the amazing stories of conversion, of transformation in places like Africa, in places like India, in places like Central and South America where the church is growing and thriving, the new pope even coming from South America for the Catholic Church. And lest we not forget what God, the Holy Spirit of God, is doing in China. And they are coming into the kingdom of God. And it's a beautiful thing. And there is a reminder for us that in God's economy, there is no such thing as a favored nation clause or status. But also from this parable, we are reminded because we see so clearly the comfort that comes from knowing and serving God. Because no matter when we come to the kingdom, we are equally precious to God, as I said. And in, in this 
parable, we also see Jesus' teaching of the compassion of the Father. There is a beautiful element of human tenderness in this parable that Jesus tells. Those who were there in the market even until 5 p.m. were not there out of laziness. Their desire was to work. And the master of the vineyard said, why are you standing here even at this late hour? And they said, no one has hired us. But the compassion of the vineyard owner is to give them opportunity to labor. Even at that late hour, they are given the opportunity and the dignity to work. Who was it? Freud who said there are two things that make our life full and purposeful. To love and to work. The master had compassion and he gave them work to do. And justice was to give them less than a full day's wage, yet the master went beyond justice. The master went beyond what was fair. They did not work a full wage, not those who came at 9 o'clock in the morning, at noon, at 3, or at 5, but they were all given a full day's wage. It was fair and more than fair. And that speaks to us in this parable of the generosity of God. The grace of God. No, life is not fair, my friends. We know that full well, but neither is God. God is more than fair and showers His grace upon each one of us. The thing about grace, which I believe is at the heart of this parable, and what I've understood about my own walk in the faith is that many times when I am flooded with this realization of God's grace poured out upon me, it is utterly amazing. But to be honest with you, to be vulnerable today, I have to tell you that there have been those times in my life when I have seen God's grace come to another and it's offensive to me that grace would be extended to that one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Grace offered to us is amazing, but many times grace offered to another is offensive. It reminds me of the story of Jonah that we read about from the Old Testament this morning. You know the story of Jonah. Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that God would relent and be gracious to the Ninevites, a despised people. Jonah had an idea that that's what God was up to, and instead of going to Tarshish, he got on a boat going the other way, or, or got on a boat going to Tarshish instead of to Nineveh. And we know the problems that that got him into, Caught, tossed overseas, over the, over the overboard in the boat to save the ship. 
from the anger of the seas and swallowed by the whale and there he has a conversion experience says, okay God, I'll do what you want me to do but I'm not going to be happy about it. And he's coughed up onto the shore, he goes into the city, he preaches to the Ninevites and they all repent. The king puts out a decree, everyone will go to sackcloth and ashes and fasting, even the cattle put on the garment of repentance. And Jonah said, see, I knew you were going to be gracious to them. And he pouted and was angry with God. And God said, who are you to be angry with me for my graciousness? As Hillary said in the children's sermon, whose grace is it? And I will do with my grace as I please. Or the story of the prodigal son. How many of that one rubs you the wrong way? The son who said, give me my inheritance. And he left and squandered it on loose living and had a conversion experience and said, I had it better off being a servant in my father's house. I'll at least go back to him. And the father is there waiting for the son and sees him from a distance and runs to him and embraces him and puts the robe and the ring on him and says, let's have a party. This son of mine that was lost has now been found. Welcome him in. And as the story goes, there's the older brother who does not accept the invitation to come to the party that's being thrown and the father goes out to him and says won't you come? won't you come and celebrate? but the older brother says dad I have been hanging around this place my whole life saying yes sir no ma'am please thank you everything that you ask of me I have done it and now this good-for-nothing son of yours comes home. And what do you do for him? You kill my 4-H calf and throw a party. Or what about the thief on the cross? Jesus crucified between two criminals and one said, save yourself and save us. If you're the son the Most High God, and the other one says, be quiet, we're guilty. Guilty for our sin, this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus do? Too late, I'll think about it. No, Jesus says to that man as he is breathing his last today, Today you will be with me in paradise. It's God's grace and God will do with it as God pleases. So I think I'm just going to start living like hell and then make a deathbed conversion. Just kidding. My friends, it's all about grace which is a gift. It's what God gives to us that we cannot earn, that we do not deserve. God, out of His sovereignty, showers us with blessing and salvation. What God gives is not pay, but a gift. What God gives is not a reward, but grace. 
This is the King that we know and that we serve. This is what this King is like. This is what it means to live in His kingdom and under His authority. To understand and respect His sovereignty. To know that we are under His rule, His way of doing things, even when we don't like it or don't really understand it and it doesn't make sense. Jesus is teaching us that this is what it means to live under His gracious reign. And to understand that the same grace that is, is extended and available to all those undeserving wretches is the exact same grace that has been offered to the wretch like me. And when you understand that, it's a whole lot easier to keep on working for that king. Because the whole point of the work in the kingdom that we are called to do is then transformed by the spirit in which we do that work. We are not in the kingdom if our first concern is what we are being paid. We are not in the kingdom if we are worried about what we are getting in relation to what someone else is getting. For a Christian in the kingdom works out of the joy for serving the king. A, king, a Christian in the kingdom serves out of the joy of serving his master. And that's enough. Because we can trust Him. Is life fair? No. Is God fair? No. The God that we know and love and serve in Jesus Christ is more than fair. And it is our gracious God and King who is calling us to continue the work. Because there is more work to do. And thanks be to God that God is calling others into His vineyard to be part of bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we have the joy and fulfillment of being part of what God is doing in this world. Lest the harvest be lost. So the call to us this morning is to come labor on, brothers and sisters, fellow hourly workers. And as we do our joyful work, let us extend to others and to all the same grace that has been extended to us in Jesus Christ. And be thankful. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead, 
he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, as the week begins, purify us, heal us, and lead us to risk new things. O oh God, you are good, you are holy, and we pray that you purify our hearts, cleanse us from bad habits, help us to give up grudges, and lead us in battle with addictions. O oh, Jesus Christ, the great physician, we pray for healing from hurts and disappointments, unkind words that do not go away, heal tension in relationships with friends and loved ones, those who are sick and fighting disease, and those who are grieving. The Holy Spirit, lead us with hope to new places where we're called to risk as we serve with VIP, as Stephen ministers, as we serve the community in various groups. And O oh God, grant us hope and courage to learn to grow as disciples. And we remember those who risk on a regular basis, those in our armed forces. You are holy, you are the great physician, and you are the trusted guide in the adventure of life. And we pray with the confidence of the children of God, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is good to see you all today. I invite those who are here to please sign the attendance pads. End of your pew, mark your name, address of your first-time guest, then back to the point of origin. And be sure and speak to one another. Shake that right, right hand of fellowship following the worship service. And we greet those who are worshiping live, whether at Spring Harbor, in your home, in your hospital room, or those who are watching us later. Uh, if you've TiVo'd the service, and of course realize some might be watching us online, and so we greet you too out there in cyberspace. Many things are coming up in the weeks ahead. I commend those announcements in the bulletin to you. Two things I want to highlight today. One, following this worship service, there'll be a congregational meeting to elect our new class of officers, elders, deacons, and trustee. Those names are in your bulletin. And as a reminder to the session, Following that congregational meeting, we have a call session meeting in the museum. So stick around for that, for the congregational meeting, and then please go through that door to the museum for our call session meeting. Let us now continue our worship as we present to God our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves.
gracious God, you have given us so much. Give us one more thing, grateful hearts. With gratitude we commit these tithes, these offerings, and these gifts. And may they bless people here in Columbus and to the outermost reaches of this earth. May we go from this dedication renewed in our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow laborers, the Master is calling us and calling others because there is work yet to do in the vineyard. So go in peace, go in joy to love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those of you who must, you may depart at this time. I'm asking members to stay for a brief congregational meeting, so if you will be seated. This time I would like to uh, ask the clerk to uh, declare a quorum, and we will open with a word of prayer and hear the report of the officer nominating committee. There is a quorum present. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the ways that you bless our lives and call us to serve, and for the ways that you equip us to serve. Thank you for the gift of your spirit and your gift of your spirit in our lives and in this place. May all that we say and do bring glory to your name and be led by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time I'd like to call the chair of the officer nominating committee, Bill Hardigree, to come forward, please, uh, to bring a report from that, uh, from that group's work. The uh, insert in your bulletin is what you need to be focused on. Uh, Mr. Hardigree will call your attention to that slate of officers as he prepares to announce and move it. Good morning. It's my pleasure to, uh, on behalf of your session and the nominating committee, to, uh, <clears throat> to place a nomination for consideration in your election today, uh, the following persons. Before I read these, I'd like to, first of all, thank other members of the nominating committee uh, who worked diligently to uh, come bring these qualified candidates before you today. And that's Alice Bryan, Mint Jordan, Judy Nail, Collier Trotter, Hugh Kennedy, Jack Wright, and Billy Turner. Thank all of you for your service. Those persons who you who were uh, are nominated or <coughs> uh, for uh, the diaconate three-year term: Aaron Dow, Mary Margaret Stone, and Donna Terry. The elders for a three-year term: Tommy Adams. Wendy Elliott, Mark Jarrell, Paul Snodgrass, Catherine Trotter, Dudley Wells, Cecil Whitaker, Margaret Zolo, and for a two-year term to fill an unexpired term of Bob Borman will be Jim Ballinger. Uh, and for trustee Steve Gundy, uh, <clears throat> your session and nominating committee is pleased to place those candidates before you for election today. Thank you, Mr. Hardigree. It would be appropriate uh, to hear any other nominations for the office of deacon, elder, or trustee. Are there any other nominations on this slate that has been presented to you by the officer nominating committee? Any other nominations? Do I hear a motion that the nominations be closed and thereby uh, with your affirmative action electing this slate as presented? Is there a second? Is there any discussion? All in favor of the slate that, is, that has been presented and uh, closing the nominations uh, signify by saying aye. aye and opposed, and that motion carries. I too want to add my, uh, my thanks and my gratitude for the, for the good and faithful, uh, prayerful work of the officer nominating committee. I think you can see that the voice of the Spirit was heard by those who were uh, extended a call and answered, and the Spirit's voice was heard in your affirmative vote today. Thanks be to God. With no other business, uh, we will uh, be dismissed with prayer, and then I would remind the elders that we do have a brief 
uh, session meeting, called session meeting in the museum. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Once again, loving God, you are so faithful. You are good to your word. You keep every promise. You never leave or forsake us. And you shower us with grace upon grace. May we be your grace-filled, grateful people today as we go out into the world to serve. We feel your call upon our lives as you have called these men and women to serve in these various capacities. Lord, confirm and focus the call upon them and us as you, uh, as you call us to do your vineyard work. And make our eyes and our hearts ready to call others to come and be part of what you are doing in the world for the glory of your Son as we seek to serve out of gratitude and joy. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Friends, go in peace, love, and serve the Lord, and have a blessed week. Amen.